And we'll be going over this passage the next few weeks, next couple weeks, really. And then Ezekiel 36, verse 22. Therefore say to Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things. But for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord. When I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then... You will live in the land I gave your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. You are here with us. We recognize that. We have offered uh, our praise, our thanks unto you. But Lord, we want to offer our very lives this day unto you to say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We recognize the reality of your presence and we want to be as near as we can be to you. We want to be more like you, Jesus. So speak. Speak in the things I say. Speak beyond anything I could possibly say. Holy Spirit, come fall upon us as we've just said. Break out among us this morning right here in your word. As we prepare to meet you at your table, to prepare our hearts, our minds, our souls, our very being, everything about us, to begin this new year in a new way. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, before I start, here we go. Right? You know, Happy New Year. And it's early on in the whole year. And so uh, the word that stands out in that phrase to me is new. The one right in the front. It does say Happy New Year. I tried to turn here. It's Happy New Year. The word that stands right on the front is that's new. So let me just ask you. Do you really want a happy new year? Do you really want a happy new year? It may sound like a uh, silly question, but there are many people that ultimately deep down in their heart and by their actions do not really want a happy new year. Sure, some will say they want the happy new year, but they don't want anything to change. But if everything stays the same, it can't be new. Are you with me? And we don't like to think that way, but it's the truth, right? If everything stays the same, it can't be new. 
Others would say, yes, I want a new year, but I don't think anything's going to be new. I don't think anything's going to be different. I don't see the situations in my life changing. But you know what? It can still be new. A new year despite those things. It will hit that later this year talking about it. But there is something that we can change. There is something that can be new this year. And it is you and me. A happy new life goes a long ways to bringing about a happy new year. And God wants that for us. God wants for you to experience new life. Not just when you first come to Him and have Him come into your life as your Savior. It's not just that new then and, well, okay, we experience a new and from then on it's just old. I mean, do we think that somehow we come to Christ, we get that new life, and then from then on what? He wants us to continue to experience a new life every day. New is a theme in God's Word, including the passage that we're looking at here in Ezekiel 36. In fact, in verse 25, we're going to focus in on that right now. Not only as we begin this year, but focus on that verse as we prepare for communion this morning. It says in verse 25 there, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. This is talking about a process of moving towards new in the passage. You see in verses 26 and on, it's moving towards that new in the passage. Just as we are looking at this moving towards that new in the new year this morning, uh, we're going to talk more about that. In fact, do it a little different this morning. Divide the message into, in a sense, three different parts. There'll be different times of the parts, but three sections that, so we might fully apply and, and become new. The first part is recognizing our sin. To become new means to begin with a fresh start, a clean slate. And that happens by coming clean before God, recognizing our sin and confessing it. Here in Ezekiel chapter uh, 36, we're looking at verse 25 we just read. God is not merely talking about a physical restoration of his people, but a deeper, radical, spiritual restoration. Making new his people first by cleansing inward. You see, the sprinkling of water that is mentioned here harkens back to the law and to the ashes of the sacrifice mixed with hyssop in places like Numbers 19. As well, it's about the cleansing from idols. He talks about the cleansing from idols, which in many ways had taken place as they're in their captivity. Not completely, but for much compared to the way it was before. But there still are other idols besides those are physical idols. Not only for them, but for us today to be cleansed from that. To recognize that there are things in our hearts and our minds that have competed, that have pushed out, that have pushed away the true God. Even to come at the same equal level as Him. Ultimately, what this deals with is a cleansing from sin. And it is not just an Old Testament law nor an Israelite thing. It is a reference ultimately to the blood of Christ and what that does for us. Purifying us for a clean, fresh, new start. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 to 14 says this. He, speaking of Jesus, entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. 
For the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of the defiled person with ashes of a heifer sanctified for the purification of flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? We read as well in Hebrews later in chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. This is what God does for us. And what we need to do then is just to recognize that sin, to come clean, to confess it before God who then makes us clean. And so what's going to happen in just a few minutes, I'm going to ask that we would take some time in the service. There's going to be some some silent time to let God the Holy Spirit speak to your life and show you what you need to confess, even to use that heart cleansing for personal renewal sheet. You notice that sheet that is in there in your bulletins. In fact, uh, I have a whole number more of those. Like if if there's a couple and you just got one and you need more, the ushers are know and are are prepared to hand those out uh, to you if you need to get those sheets that that's one of the things you could use in this time uh, as we do this and then after that time after a, a little bit of time that we just take to seek the lord perhaps even like i say using that sheet to help us then we're going to come together and take first uh, the bread and worship christ in that Understand, this is not just about what did I do wrong this year? What what have I done wrong? But how have I failed to do right? What thoughts have I entertained in my mind that I should not have? What words, what, what words have I used that I should not have? By the way, there, there are, Terry's ready. If you need one of those, if you just raise your hand and you want to get one of those, let him know. What words have come out of my mouth that were not just not holy, but what words were not helpful for building someone up? Uh, sometimes we wonder about this. Well, what are, where are you going? And where are you going with this? Where I'm going with this is where 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us we should be going with this when we have communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, from the passage about communion says, Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some of you have died. But if we judged ourselves... Truly, we would not be judged. We're to examine ourselves. The Bible tells us that. God tells us to recognize that sin and to confess it. And yet I know as I say this and I talk about it and he's there, it would get to you passing out this sheet. If you don't have it in your bulletins, I know there are some when given this opportunity will just sit around staring at the ceiling and the floor. While everybody else was doing whatever they're doing, they're just going to uh, stare at the floor and not really deal with their own sin or coming clean for a variety of reasons. Including to some, this is just all a religious motion you go through. Well, if it's just some religious motion you go through, then I hope you take heed of the warning that I just read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
of the seriousness of communion and the consequences when we don't take it serious. Perhaps there are some that would say, oh yeah, I should do that. I should do something. In fact, maybe every time we have communion, yeah, I know I'm supposed to say something. And, and we don't really do a, a cleansing. We, and say, all we do is, is, is a splash of water religiously on our face, throwing up a brief prayer for general forgiveness because that's what you do. We don't actually think deeply about this. Not, at least not deeply beyond the sins of churchianity that says this is what good Christians don't do. And when we just kind of quickly look at our life and say, well, I'm still a pretty good Christian. I don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. Instead of allowing the Holy Spirit of God to speak to our hearts. Why not ask seriously the Holy Spirit to search that we might recognize our sin and confess it and confess how wide and how deep our sin really is. Instead of just a shallow going across it as we often do. Because then when we recognize how deep and how wide our sin really is, then we will be realizing how wider and deeper the love of Christ is for us. That's how we experience even more of His grace when we recognize who we really are. I'm not trying to tell you or preach and say, this is your sin and this is what it is. I'm saying, let God, let God speak to you and not just go through religious motions. Because that is how God makes us new. That is how we have a new year and a new you. Now, some would question, what good is it to come clean before God in a new year? It's not going to change anything in the end. I can come clean about this, but I know it's just going to be, you know, and we say that because we just believe we're just going to be coming back to God for forgiveness again for the same thing. We're just going to have to ask Him for cleansing. And that's not fully false and we'll deal with that over the next couple of weeks here about how that can change but if you got that kind of reasoning why confess why come clean that's kind of like arguing there's no point in taking a bath or a shower right i'm not gonna take a bath or a shower today because i'm just gonna get dirty later and i know some of you have probably used that reasoning but have you used it for a whole year I'm not going to take a bath or shower because, hey, I'm just going to get dirty again the whole year. Well, no, wait a minute. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not that bad. I'll take, a, I'll take a shower once a year whether I need it or not. Right? Is that, is that the way we think? No. That makes any sense. I, actually, it will make sense. Sense. S E. N-T. There'll be a sense if you don't do that, right? Uh, if you don't, eventually people will start to notice. Eventually it will, people will start to uh, avoid you and go away from you. But guess what? When we do not cleanse ourselves, allow God to cleanse us by confessing our sin, we also affect our life, not just spiritually, but then it affects us mentally, affects us emotionally, and it affects us relationally. And people start to notice the scent on you of the sin that is unconfessed that you've continued on, and it starts to affect your whole being. And most of all, it affects your relationship with God. Coming clean changes our relationship with God 
it becomes new again. I'm saying that it's, it wasn't there, and you don't have it, but new again. As well, it changes the guilt, the shame, the regret that some have felt for so long that, that it's just been pushed down, and, and we've tried not to even recognize that what we're feeling and the problems we're having is really guilt and shame and regret. But we've had it for so long, it just kind of sits there. And it's dragging us down in our life from moving forward into something that's new. Psalm 24, verse 3 to 6. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false, does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face, the God of Jacob. We come clean about our sin so that we can be made clean by the Savior. That's a part of, uh, of the reminder here with communion. And note, it's much easier to recognize our sin and quickly come clean when we draw near and are continually close to the Savior. But often what happens is the dirtier, so to speak, we get the farther we get from God. Quickly. Don't allow something to just continue to just sit there. You know, a sin that's happened and just go unconfessed. Sometimes it goes unconfessed because you have no intention of not doing it again and again. But sometimes our sin goes unconfessed because we feel such a guilt that we just don't feel like we can come to God and ask Him to forgive us. That's a lie of the enemy trying to keep you. When you have that sense that, no, I, I, I can't ask Him. I, I can't bring this before Him. I, not again, and I can't ask God. That's the enemy trying to keep you from being clean, being new. Let's take some time then. We're just going to take some time and then I'm going to come back up and close as a prayer time and, and ask the, at that time I'll ask the communion stewards and the worship team to come. But for a whole examination. And, and, and remember, there is a difference. We don't really have time to get into it, but there is a difference between the voice of condemnation from the enemy and the voice of conviction from the Holy Spirit. Do you hear me? There is a difference between the voice of condemnation from the enemy and the voice of conviction from the Holy Spirit. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. This is what we're asking right now. In fact, I'll just put, instead of the me, I'll put us as I read this verse. Search us, O God, and know our heart. Try us and know our thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. Holy Spirit, fall and speak to us this day. Whether we, it is just you speaking to us what we already know, but reveal to us even other things that, that we put off, other things that, that, that we have not seen as that big of a deal that we would recognize. You would speak to us for a true sprinkling, a heart cleansing 
of personal revival upon us even in this moment before we come into your presence at communion. So speak now. Help us in this time. In your name we pray, Jesus. Lord God, as we continue in our worship of you, we come before your table. We recognize that we do this in remembrance of you, what you've done. And in this moment, we ask your blessing upon the bread. It represents your body. Meet us here. Help us as we confess to find that forgiveness that you say is ours, that your body was broken for. You took the punishment. Help us no longer to, to be punishing ourselves with our guilt and our regret, but let us be set free, recognizing that you were bound on that cross in our place. Bless this even now, Jesus. In your name, amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered together knowing all that was coming before him. He took the bread and broke it. And said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat. And we're going to stop for a moment before we go to the cup. Because there are a lot of people who, probably all across our churches, as the new year begins, are coming clean and confessing their sin before God. And they desire that things would be new, and that's probably some of us here today. Actually, some so desire for things to be new that they end up making a lot of New Year's resolutions with good intentions to follow God, to not fall into what we did in the past. But depending on what source you look at for your statistics, Forbes, for example, says 8% of the people who make resolutions actually follow through with them. And then even then, it doesn't say how long they'll actually continue to follow through. And we'll talk more about how Jesus can, next week, raise that success rate. But here's what we need to realize. It is not enough to recognize our sin, confess it, and then make a resolution in our head about how we're going to be different. That's not enough. The first step to becoming new is to exchange our resolutions for repentance. That's the first step in the direction towards God and God alone. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Christ appointed for you, Jesus. The newness, the times of refreshing come when we repent. One of the arguments earlier that I mentioned of for not coming clean is that we're just going to get dirty again. 
We're just going to sin, the same sin again. But that's not the life that God has planned for us. Unfortunately, it is the life that many people have planned for themselves, though. We feel bad and regret the sin, but nonetheless don't turn around from it, fully turning away from that sin and turning towards God in repentance. How can we have a new year and a fresh start if we go right back to the same place we were just at, heading in the exact same direction we were in? Of course we're going to fall into that sin again. Of course we are. But if we change our direction, if we repent and turn from our sin with no secret intent, kind of in the back of our head that we may turn back there at some point in time, we may want to go back, we may get but 180 degree, turn to the Savior, then it becomes a new direction, a new start towards a new you with Jesus who will give you a new power. Do we grasp that we cannot keep walking in the old ways And expect to have a new year. And this is about all our sins. Some of you have made in your mind there's certain big sins, and I've got those taken care of. You know, I'm I'm not. I mean, not. I recognize anybody can fall, but there's victory there. But it's in everything. Some of the words that come out of our mouth and the what we say to people, how we talk to people. We cannot keep walking in the old ways and expect to have this new year. We must leave the old ways behind and walk in the new that Jesus wants us to. Ephesians chapter 4, you were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his disciples' desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. To put off, to turn away from, to put on, to turn towards God. The reality is that there are Christians who have fallen into sin. Actually, the real reality is all of us, right? Probably in this last year. If you haven't, then we need to talk because... uh, Actually, just ask some of your family members. They'll tell you. (laughs) All right. Uh, But many of us have, have tripped or maybe even on purpose, fell into a, let's say, a mud puddle mess of sin. The vast majority of us will seek to confess that sin and to come clean before God. Unfortunately, though, there are some that just look for a quick religious forgiveness to make them feel better. An even sadder reality is that there are Christians who will never be clean Because they won't get out of the mud puddle. Are you with me? I want you to just imagine a child. You know, you tell the child, listen, you got a clean outfit on. Do not go out and play in the mud puddles. And what do they do? They go out and they play in the mud puddles. They're having fun. They're they're really enjoying uh, this whole, having an enjoyment playing in the mud puddle. And some point in time, as they're playing, they start to realize, I'm dirty. I don't like being dirty. I don't want to be dirty. Dad, daddy, clean me off. Clean me off. But I'm not going to get out of the mud puddle. Really? It doesn't work that way. 
we need to recognize that if we're going to really come clean, it's not just recognizing that we're dirty and not just saying, hey, I want to be cleansed. We have to recognize we need to reach up, grab a hold of the Savior's hand and get up and leave that mud puddle behind. Body, mind, soul, and spirit, all of us, that is what repentance is. We cannot start a new year while we stay in the old mud puddle. There's something to tweet. Not that anybody would know what that means, right? But think about it. We can't stay in the new year while we stay in our old mud puddle. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 30. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart, a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. He says that to all of us, there are no good Christians here that that does not apply to. Including myself. Now, we may feel like we are permanently stuck in this mud puddle. Or maybe another analogy to think about it, that we are trapped, that we are imprisoned in a sin and we cannot turn away, let alone get away. I I can't repent, I can't turn away, I can't get away from us. But for those who know Christ Jesus as your Savior in a personal or real way, do not believe that lie of the enemy. You can repent, you can turn away from that and to God. Because of the work that Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. For by his blood, his blood not only delivers us from the penalty of sin. His blood delivers us from the power of sin in our lives. It has been broken. You have been set free. The chains have come off. The prison door has swung wide open and you are free but you are not experiencing that freedom until you decide to stand up and walk out of that prison the door is wide open you are free but don't stay there that's what in a sense repentance is you've been made free repentance is i'm turning away from this prison that was the door is wide open and i'm going to walk out into the new life new not not just a new life first becoming a christian thing the new life that can happen today There are those who want to live in both worlds. They're happy with their old life, but they also would like to have a happy new life as well. Or more accurately, they're happy with the old sin, but definitely want to experience God's forgiveness. And they they just whine about, well, why is God's not blessing me? And why can't God do this for me? And why isn't God doing, he's not blessing me. And yet we just keep on doing and saying and thinking the same old sin never truly repenting, never renouncing our old ways, and we think that, well, God's just going to do something new, and we want to stick with the old. We just keep on sinning, and yet we just keep on asking God forgiveness. Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace, that amazing grace that we always say, well, he is amazing grace, I can keep doing. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? 
how can we who have been made clean still stay in our mud pile? I'm not talking about just continuing to sin. We will continue to have those things that God works in our life and shows us. What I'm talking about is deliberately continuing to sin in the same way over and over again, trampling underfoot the Son of God, proclaiming the blood of the covenant, making light of it, even treating with contempt what it took to get us this amazing grace. There are times that we justify continuing in the same area of sin because it's now not really a big mud puddle. It's just a little puddle and it's not even that dirty. It's not that muddy. Uh, We want to minimize our sin and think that it's not a big deal. It's small compared to the other sins of other people. uh, or, Or for all that matters... It's what this this area, it's small compared to what God's already dealt with in my life. I mean, I have been delivered, you know, you say, I've been delivered some really amazing, big, huge things. This is just nothing compared to what my life used to be like. So I'll get to it later. It's harmless. It's, I suppose you could call it sin. Well, God does. But, you know, it's, it's harmless. It's, it's not a big deal. And then we look here, communion. The bread that symbolizes his body is broken. The couple that symbolizes his blood that was shed. Because of the harmless, no big deal sins. There's nothing harmless about having nails driven through your hands and feet. Let us not lay aside somehow or erase a foundational principle even within that first Christian sermon, as Peter shared with the people at Pentecost, and they were convicted, they were cut to the heart. And they said, what do we need to do? And his first words in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 was repent. Let's take some time to reflect on that repentance as we embrace the cup and all that he's done for us. That cup May we not just confess and take a quick washing. May we repent and turn fully, fully, seeking His help beyond that. I mean, what do I do next? We'll talk about it next week. But today, this is what we do. Come new. Father, I pray that Your blessing would be upon the cup, that You'd help us as we partake, that we would meet You, Jesus, in a very real way, and that we would experience that cleansing that the cup, uh, that your blood can do in us. That we would as well experience the power of your blood to overcome all that we're in. And that we would turn. Not just recognize it, but repent. And truly turn away. This morning, give us that strength. Move in this time now. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Before we take the cup, I just want to make sure that we grasp what we've talked about this morning about confessing our sin, coming clean, and about repenting. But that that is our part, that we would recognize God's part in all of this. In cleansing us. In forgiving us. I know sometimes you may feel like, I just don't see how God could do that. I'm just not worthy. None of us are worthy. In fact, if we go back to our passage in Ezekiel, you don't have to turn there. I'm not going to get right into it. But the very first 
verses I read in verse 22 and 23, God basically said, listen, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to make you new, not because of you, but for my name's sake. You, you profane my name. I know that, God says. But listen, for my name's sake, because of who I am, I am going to forgive you. I am going to restore you. I'm going to bring you back and make you new. God's forgiving you today. Cleansing you today has nothing to do with whether you are worthy. It has nothing to do that you confessed and that you repent. God does it because that's who he is. He loves you. That is who he is. That is who he's promised to be. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we get ready to take of the cup, let us remember that that's what this represents. His blood represents. Is that as we confess, He is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us by His blood from all unrighteousness and give us a new beginning. And so that night that He was betrayed, Jesus took the cup and He blessed it. And He said, this cup represents... My blood, which is shed for the remission of sins, for yours, take and drink.